Right. A warm, warm welcome. Please take your seats. Um, it's absolutely lovely to see you again, as always. My name's Christian, and um, I shall be taking the message. I should be giving the message today, um, and I'm going to take from Judges six, verse eleven onwards today. So we'll dive straight into scripture, um, and then we'll go from there. So this is about Gideon, and. Um, you've not heard about him, you will do now. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophir, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? There's a sermon just in that. <laughs> Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. Okie dokie, let's, uh, let's begin with a bit of a story. I used to be a teacher, as most of you know, if you're new to the school, new to the school oh dear, that's still in there. <laughs> If you're new to church, then you won't know that. But, um, but I've, I need to start with an apology, um, because I think a few weeks ago, I upset quite a lot of people, especially the teachers in the room, by saying that teaching is an easy job. So, so um, I think my words were something along the lines of, you get 13 weeks holiday a year, and you finish at 3.30 p.m. every day. So I'm going to apologize for that. That's a huge apology on my part. Um, I will change it to maths teaching is an easy job. Because <laughs> that's exactly what I do. <laughs> Outside of that, the rest of you obviously work really hard. So there we are. But maths obviously very useless as well. I mean, when was, when was the last time you ever factorized anything, really? I don't know what I was doing for 20 years. But there we go. So I became a teacher at 20... Nothing to do with that thing. I became a teacher at 29. And I, at the time I did that, I thought I'd be a teacher for the rest of my life until I retired. I, I never saw myself as, as going up into the... You know, leading the department, becoming a math, head of maths or, or, you know... But a lot of people, they, they get a teacher and they think they want to be a head almost immediately. I never saw myself doing anything above just the job that I did. And um, even though many people would say to me, oh, I reckon you could do that. I reckon you could be a head of maths. I reckon you could, uh, you could you know, go further up and higher up. Um, it, I couldn't see it in me. I was quite flattered when people said that to me, but it never actually occurred to me that it was going to make um, any difference to my life. And actually, um, I still didn't do anything about it, even, even when all of that happened. Now, um, a few years into being a teacher, I was um, just doing a menial task, and God spoke to me in a specific way. I felt him nudge me, and he said, I want you to forgive this particular person in your life who made you feel like a failure, which was like years ago, you know, years and years and years ago, all right? And I didn't think I had any issue with this person at all. I thought, I've got no problem with this person. I don't have an issue. But I did as God said, and I forgave this particular person from my past. 
And the first thing that entered my head after I did it was, I could be ahead of maths. Which was odd, because I never wanted to be ahead of maths, but it kind of just did something. Now, as I say, I never did become ahead of maths, but it's not the point of the story. The point was that this particular person had put a limit on my life by making me feel like a failure. Does that make sense? They'd spoken over me, you're a failure, you're a failure, enough times to make me feel like I was a failure, and as I could get to a certain level in life and not above it. So I limited my God-given potential by what one person had said to me. I limited what I could achieve. I limited what was in me, what was capable inside of me by this one comment and because of this issue in the past that had happened. And from the moment I forgave them, I began to see that with God in me and that with God with me, I was capable of far, far more than I'd ever thought of before. Limits happen in major, major, major ways throughout our lives. And we all, in some way or other, put limits on our true potential. Although we have been given at our new birth a new heart and a new spirit, we are still constantly being renewed in our minds from our old beliefs into a new creation self. Amen? Okay, so our, our, our minds are being transformed. Our minds are being renewed again and again and again. And part of this transformation process will reveal to us who we truly are and what we are capable of in God. All right? So this is where we're going of today because today... Um, I don't know if Andy read the title of the preach or it just happened that God engineered it all. So they were looking at the power of the presence of God. Um, so, um, yeah, that's good. If, I don't know what you did there, so we'll, we'll, I'll talk to you after. Um, but the, the point is the impact the presence of God makes to us as people. The impact that his presence makes into shifting the damaging limits of our old way of thinking and behaving. Now, don't get me wrong, some limits are good, okay? You need to eat, you need to rest, you need to have a day off in the week. Those are sensible God-given limits into our lives, all right? But there's other limits which are damaging limits that stop us from raising up into our true potential. And we can hold on to limits uh, from what other people have given us in our lives or from the way we even think about ourselves. So, are you strapped in and are you ready? Yeah. You're looking ready today. That's good. Now, let's have a look at the Bible. The Bible's always the safest place to go, I think. Many people in the Bible had put limits on themselves by the way that they thought or by past experiences. Now, I could spend a long time on these people um, and I could go through a lot more of them. But we'll have a very quick whistle-stop tour through these people. Joseph, great story, Joseph. A lot of chapters in the Bible about Joseph. Um, had a bad few experiences, um, I would say, in life. That limited, basically, what he was up to at many points in his life. So he gets a God-given revelation of what he's truly going to be doing with his life, and his family put him down. There's the first limit. Sell him off. Uh, to slavery in Egypt, and then as a slave, uh, he gets falsely accused, if you didn't know. I'm not bringing any spoilers in, I hope, to many people who have not read it or gone to the theatre yet to watch it. But 
It's a good story. Anyway, gets sold. He gets falsely accused. He's then in a prison. He's, he's back. You couldn't get much more limited than that in most people's lives. Um, doesn't stop him, but we'll come back to Joseph in a minute. So very bad circumstances that hinder Joseph um, at some point in his life. Jeremiah chapter 1, immediately you can see that he feels like he's too young to do the call that God's called on him. And also, he's very concerned about how others see him, how others view him, because God keeps telling him, do not be dismayed before other people. So that's what's in his heart. Joshua, I'm just going to go on a limb. I think he's scared. He was taken over from Moses, and God had to speak to him quite a few times. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Again and again and again, all the way through chapter 1, he's kind of egging him up, going, you can do this. And Joshua doesn't say anything back. He doesn't argue with him. Not like Moses, who we'll get to in a minute. But um, he has to keep getting this pick-me-up of, you can do it, you've got it, and you can go for this. Moses, Moses is the big excuser of all of them. There was a lot going on. I mean, maybe the difference is the, the age is somewhat. Moses had got to 80 at this point before God started to, uh, to reveal to him what he was going to be doing. But Moses was arguing a lot. Moses really felt that he wasn't a good speaker. Uh, he was filled with self-doubt. He really felt he wasn't good enough for the job. Okay, so he was basically like, these are my limits. You cannot possibly use me, God. I've got too many limits in my life. And how can you get anywhere through this particular person? I am just absolutely pointless for this job. Pick somebody else um, would be pretty much um, Exodus 3 and 4. Um, chucked him with a burning bush, I think, uh, in a nutshell. Um, and then Gideon, who we just read about, he felt he was too weak. He felt he was powerless and he felt he wasn't important enough to be able to do the tasks that God had called him to do. So these are all the limits that there were on these people. And yet, a common theme comes into every single one of these and more stories in the Bible where people have put limits on themselves. And it comes through in the, it's absolutely wonderful because God basically releases people from their self-perceived limits or from their experiences to free them with these wonderful words, I am with you. And that's it. I am with you. Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I am with you. Joseph was interesting. He heard it through other people. He heard it through Egyptians which was amazing if you actually read the stories in the Bible where Potiphar sees that the Lord is with him and elevates him in the house. And then Pharaoh sees that the Spirit of God is in him, which is quite impressive in the Old Testament. So these are Egyptians going, this guy's got the Spirit of God with him and in him. And so Joseph is elevated. So you've got all of these people. Do not be afraid. You, you are, God is with you. So these are all having incredible experiences with God. And for some, it takes a lot longer than others. For some, it takes ages where God has to continuously say, I'm with you. In fact, if you follow the stories through most of them, God is still saying all the way through their lives, I'm still with you. I'm still with you. I'm still with you. And that's important. But why? What is I am with you? What difference does I am with you actually make? That are just a few words. And if I gave, if I brought somebody up on, I'm not going to do it, but if I brought someone on a stage right now who's going through a hard time and said, never mind, God's with you. 
and they might punch me in the face, for all I know, because it might be not that comforting to them. I don't know. We won't try it out. Or shall we? <laughs> uh, but yeah, we won't. But there is an impact with the I am with you because it brings breakthrough and it brings continuous impact in their lives. Those words that I am with you, I am with you, do not fear, I am with you, don't say this about yourself, I am with you. They bring a breakthrough in their lives and they bring a, continuous, a continuity in their lives to be able to go on and live for Jesus again and again and again. And then why? Well, this is what really is going on with it. It states that God isn't, pass isn't passively looking down from heaven. He's not going, oh, they're all down there doing, getting on with that. He is actively walking constantly alongside us. He is actively looking after us. He is actively caring for our souls. He is actively working good into us. He is actively protecting us more than we will ever know. That's why it's good. Yes? Amen. Amen. I am with you is the very presence of God working in us, working through us, and working for us. And that is why it's such a powerful statement every time God brings it. It's the constant power of the presence of God that breaks the natural limits of us and it releases us into living out our God-given future. That's crucial. It's the presence of the, it's the power of God's presence, really, that takes people from living a life of survival into an abundant life. One where entire nations in a lot of these stories are returning to God. Don't we want to see that? That's the power of the presence of God. That's what happens when things like these people grabbed hold of the fact that God was with them. One where God's kingdom is advancing mightily. One where fears and anxieties and stresses are being removed and they're traded in for peace and for joy and for confidence in Jesus. This is good, isn't it? Isn't this what we want? Yes. You say yes if you want. You know. Thank you for those that said yes. Um, but it's really, really, really crucial. God's presence in us fills us with a strength, fills us with goodness, fills us with resilience, fills us with an inner steel to bring lasting change to this planet. And that there is what we're here for. Amen? Brilliant. Right, so these guys are amazing. I'm going to now bring a story about me, and this isn't a life-changingly, kind of like planet-changing story, but I, um, for a while I've had a, a, a massive fear of flying. I didn't used to. I, I remember I, when I was 30-odd, I flew to Australia on my own, 24 hours it takes, four landings, four takeoffs, not in that order, because obviously you have to take off before you land. But I was fine with it, absolutely fine, I enjoyed it. And then uh, we went to Italy, and the kids and, and Anne's were sat on one part of the plane, and I was on my own at the front, um, neck, not in the pilot, not with the pilot. <laughs> actually, no wonder I was frightened. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I did that with the plane. 
Um, I was at the front, and, um, and I was sat next to a lady who was obviously really scared, um, an Italian lady, and she literally grabbed this, I'm, I'm fine at this point, but she grabbed the, uh, the armrests, and she, she must have prayed the whole flight in panicked fear. So I'm there thinking, everything's fine, everything's great, I've got my mints, sucking on my mints, so my ears don't pop, um, and all the rest of it. And she's, well, this is tongues, but, you know, you might even Italian, I don't know. Like this, gripping it and praying. Now, after a while, fear transmits, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? After a while, you think, does she know something? Is she, is she aware that this is going down? Are we climbing over these mountains high enough? This isn't good. And um, she's hanging on to, to dear life. And so we actually landed. Well, we were both having massive fear attacks by the time we had landed. Um, we were both like this. <laughs> if you come down, are we are, are we down yet? Um, and, um, and, and from that moment on, I hated flying. We, we went to Amsterdam, did not enjoy that at all. The flying, the Amsterdam bit was good, but the flying was, I, I went, we went to Disneyland, actually. When did we go to Disneyland? About 10 years ago now, probably. And um, I, all I could think on the way, while we were in Disneyland was, oh, we've got to fly back. Say we don't make it. That was in my head. In the back of my head, say we don't make it. It's going to be awful. Um, so you stop should enjoying life, doesn't it? Fear, do you know what I mean? Do you agree with that? Fear stops you enjoying life like you could enjoy it. Anyway, we went to the conference in Spain. I said to Dean, I remember this. I said to Dean, do you like flying? Thinking, he'll be on my side. He won't like it so much. He went, oh, I love flying. <laughs> so that's great for you. <laughs> and um, I got, we, we start this, the, you know, it's usually the takeoff that's the worst part for me. But we, we were halfway in the air, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm on my own because there's no one that I know around me. And I thought, I'm just going to start praying. And then God dropped three words, three um, phrases into my head. I am with you, I am for you, and I am in you. And, and I just kept on repeating and meditating on those things. I am with you, I am in you, I am for you. Just kept going over and over and over and over again. Thank you, Jesus, that you are in me. Thank you, Jesus, that you are for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you are in me. Again and again and again and again. And then after about 10 minutes, the fear just melted away completely and utterly. And all of a sudden, I'm now enjoying the flight. What had gripped me with fear for years and years and years just melted off me. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you're in me. Thank you that you're for me. And then I didn't even think about it. Then we landed, was fine. We went through the conference, wasn't even worried about flying back. We got on the plane, I was absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. I didn't even think about then the flight that I, we're in the air. And the flight back was awful, actually. That landing was not a good landing. And so I thought wing had fallen off or something. It was not good. The, I don't know what went on with that landing. But it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me, even though he lost a couple of wheels and stuff. It must have done because I, <laughs> or I had no suspension. I don't know what was wrong with that landing. Anyway, we won't uh, mention that it was Ryanair. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, that, was, that wasn't a great situation for me, but the, the fear leaving me was an absolutely phenomenal thing. And it was all on the presence of God. 
that in me, he's for me, he's with me. And every single one of us, he's in us, he's for us, he's with us. And the more we can stay constantly aware of his presence with us and in us and for us, the more that fears and anxieties and insecurities that we have, they melt away because we become more and more and more strengthened by the love of God that's always with us. And that's an amazing thing. That's a phenomenal thing, that we can actually live in the presence of God just remembering those truths, just knowing that God remains with us everywhere we are. It really is an amazing, amazing thing that God has given us with this. The phrase, I am with you, do not be afraid, I am with you, is in the Bible over a hundred times. That's a lot of times. You know, if it's in once, it's important. If it's in over a hundred times, God's pretty much trying to get our attention. I am with you. My presence is with you everywhere you go. And that is one of the most solid promises you can hang your hat on. You may not feel like his presence is in you and with you and for you right now, but the truth is that he is. And the more we come back to those truths that he is with us, he is for us, he is in us, the more we become aware of his presence, which is what we were singing just before. There's a, I'm going to run out of time here, I can sense, but Matthew 14 is a great story about this. Um, this is where Jesus is walking on water. The disciples are in a boat and it's getting stormy. I don't know if you know much about this, but it's uh, basically, they're, they're, they're getting a bit worried because they can't get to land. It's the middle of the night, so it's a dark, dark place. They're all over the place. The boat's going backwards and forwards. And then Jesus comes walking on water and they go, whoa, it's a ghost. Yeah, I've just had Halloween, I suppose. That's Anyway, um, they go, oh, it's a ghost. And they're terrified. That's what he actually says. The disciples were terrified. And then Jesus gives what words? Do not be afraid. I am with you. I am with you. And Peter goes from being terrified to walking on water. Now, I know he sinks partway through the rest of the story, but if anyone else has walked on water in this room, then I will give you credit and I'll stop telling this story. I think it's still a pretty good, amazing thing that he got to walk on water for a bit. He went from a place of incredible fear to incredible faith just on those words. Jesus is with me. Well, if Jesus is with me, then this is possible. If Jesus is with me, then we can do the impossible. If Jesus is with me, then I can do what Jesus is doing. That's basically what Peter went straight from, a place of emotional terror to a place where he believed the most. In, let's, let's apply that. Let's apply that story, okay? Because I'm not saying that you're off to walk on water tonight now. But in the place where we're struggling the most, in our darkest storms, in our deepest fears, in our deepest worries and our hardest struggles in life, in the place where you feel at your worst, Jesus is walking alongside you there. In the darkest storm, he's walking into your boat. Amen? That is it. Where is your darkest storm right now? Where is your deepest fear? Jesus is with you in it right now. 
whatever that is. And that takes us from a place of the darkest confusion about what we're going through into the place of, fear, of incredible fear. In faith, which is what we want. Faith, not fear. But I, want, I need to say this. The presence of God is not one for just every now and again breakthroughs. It's not one for a we and neither a quick fix. We need the presence of God inside of us constantly in every single area of our lives that our relationships may flourish, that we may be able to walk godly lives, that we may be able to expand God's kingdom, okay? It's not just for here and now. It's for every area of our lives. Every bit of it, we need God. Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20 is where he tells us to go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And there it is again. Just as he goes to say his final words, what are his final words? Well, it's the big promise. It's the big promise again and again and again. It's the words he speaks before he sets people off on their big march to start off a mission somewhere where to, to get people out of Egypt, to get people into the promised land or whatever it is. He is with you. And so in the areas of discipleship where you're discipling people that don't know Jesus yet or you're discipling people that do, he is with you in those places. The presence of God is with you and it is absolutely essential that we take God's presence with us out into the world. Amen? Yeah? Because the world needs God massively, I would say. As you go out, as you make intentional community, intentionally building community with your friends and with your neighbors and with the people that you don't, or who don't know Jesus yet, remember that he's only achieved by the presence of God inside of us. It's only going to be the presence of God that makes such a difference in their lives. We can have the best programs in the world. We can have everything really, really, really good, but it's going to do nothing unless the presence of God is touching people's lives. Yeah? And that there is why I would escalate the presence of God higher than anything else because these wonderful, beautiful people, we should have them up all the time. But, but it's really important. Yeah, that, they, that we have got the presence of God making such a difference. This makes all the power in the world. It changes people's lives. It changes people's minds. And it makes people come to Jesus. And that's why we're having prayer and fasting at the moment. Yay! So, uh, as has already been said, two to three, three prayer meetings this week, two at 7 p.m., Tuesday and Wednesday, so get here if you can, please. We'll pray into this vision. We'll pray into seeing people get saved, seeing people come to know Jesus. It's the whole seek and save the lost. It's the whole making friends, making disciples. It's the whole thing of trying to do the Great Commission with the power of God, not just on our own. Thank you very much. And it's been lovely hearing stories of people growing curious already, and people sharing their faith already. It's been lovely hearing how that's started to happen naturally. And you can't crowbar these conversations into just your lives. It doesn't work. 
You can't go, hello, my name is John, and I want to talk to you about Jesus in the first conversation you have. Well, you can, but it's not a natural relationship fit, you know? People grow curious as relationship grows. And that's really, really what we're seeing happen with a lot of the people that are talking to me about their friends talking about faith. And that's absolutely incredible. Maria was telling me a whole load of stuff about the neighbors that she's got. Um, we talk, I've talked to various other people in the room, and they're telling me how God's instigating incredible conversations. And so often we're told that people aren't bothered. But it's not true. Now, when the presence of God gets on them, all of a sudden they get curious. So it's, that's what we're praying into over these next, well, it's five weeks now, not six, but keep on going on them. And then Christmas comes, and we can invite them to Christmas as well. Alpha is coming as well, and we can start inviting them to Alpha as well. We've already got interest. Uh, we've got the team sorted out for Alpha, but we've, we've got interest of people that want to come to Alpha, which is great. So that's a wonderful thing as well. So let's wrap this up. This is what I want us to really hold on to. This is the big part. The plan that God has for our lives, it's bigger, it's brighter, it's fuller, it's more glorious, it's more love-filled, it's more hope-filled, it's more fruitful than anything we can imagine. But it is only inherited, powered by his presence. So the future that God's given us the future that he wants for our lives will only come about as we rest in him, as we sit back and soak him in, as we accept that he's right next to us right now, on a plane, or whatever it is and wherever it is that you want to do it. But today, ask God what limits he wants to break off you. Today, ask God what he wants to change. Where is it? that there are limits on you. Or do so over the week. Do so at Connect Group. Because this is where our lives get transformed. This is where fears no longer dictate to us the choices that we make in life. Yeah. Which I think is important. Think about these things. What's been spoken over you in the past that's caused you to think less of yourself? Ask God to bring these things up. You might not know. The situation I had was when I was a teenager. Do you know what I mean? I'm now I'm not a teenager. No. I'm in my 20s. Um, but, you know, you won't remember it all. God knows what they are. God knows where they are. Ask him where those limits are. And it might be that you have to forgive somebody. It might be that God just wants to minister his love into that situation or minister his truth into that situation. There's all sorts of things that can be there. What wounds have hurt you and caused damage? Ask God what they are. Ask God to get down to the root. It's not dealing with the fruit. It's dealing with the root. Yeah? It's not dealing with all these behavioral things up here. It's dealing with the stuff that's causing those behavioral things. So, so God knows those things. And it's just limits that have been put on us in the past a lot of the time. It's not exclusively that, but... Think of those things because that's what God wants to do. And today, God wants to bring freedom to our souls. He wants to heal hurts. He wants to shift limits. And he wants to lead us into the future he has for us. Amen? Good. Okay. 
Um, so if the band could come up, that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, and if you don't know of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, you're watching online or you're here and you would like to know him, or if you would like to come back to Jesus, if you knew him or you used to walk with him, I'm just going to pray a quick prayer at this point. I'd just like you to pray along. I'll pause so you can repeat, and you can just pray this along with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your incredible sacrifice of your death on the cross, where my sins can be forgiven. Lord God, I repent of my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. And I give my heart to you today. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. And help me to live for you. Amen.